When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Tom and I have a very special guest joining us once again. Broadcaster, author, Mr. Greg Lucas. Greg, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, it's great to talk baseball with you, and I'm uh, I'm glad you invited me back. Tom? Mr. Lucas, it's an <laughs> honor. Uh, sorry, took me a second. It was like my turn. Uh, honored to sit down and talk to you. Uh, definitely big fan. I grew up listening to you. So, uh, this is the first time I'm getting a chance to talk to you. So really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I, I, I appreciate it because, uh, having been basically retired now for essentially retired for 10 years, I don't get out and about much. And, uh, so it's great to get to participate in these shows. Yep. He's an honorary co-host of Astros baseball. So before we came on the air, I was telling Mr. Lucas that we were at Barnes and Noble and I saw both of your books there. The first time I seen him was at a hooks game. And yeah. uh, you said that you're going to revise one of them. I just got a call last week, the Astro legends, uh, which basically went through the 2017 world series championship. And since then a lot's happened. And so the publisher just called me, one of the editors, said, hey, I'm one of the new editors here. And uh, Tom, the, the head guy, wanted me to check with you to see if you wanted to update the uh, update into a new division of a revision of the book. And I said, sure. He said, we'd need about this much more. And, you know, you could change some of the stuff that's already in there. So it, uh, people that were buying it would not think they're getting the same book. And uh, I've got a lead time till uh, about the spring of 2024. And so this is not going to be hard to do. And I said, absolutely. And it's funny, funny that as soon as that happened, I just happened to be jogging today and I went by my Barnes and Noble and by golly, those books were back in again because they'd been in and then they, you know, they were out. And I think the publisher just, uh, who's also a distributor, just started pushing them again because the Astro season's about to start. And I'm very happy with that. So I'm happy to be back writing again, too. That's awesome. I think it's great that the, the, the... The book's out because I don't have it. I need to get my hands on a copy of it myself. Uh, definitely like to hear where you feel the Astros were going in 2017, how they got there, things of that nature. Uh, I mean, you you were part of them for so long. So to see them finally get that all together, get that championship, and now being able to update it with the latest and greatest would be pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was fun. I, as as as. You know, the end of my uh, period with the Astros was the demise of Fox Sports Houston. And uh, 
that was in tw after the 2012 season. So actually, I never was with them once they were forced to change leagues. But I was with them where they had two of their absolute worst three years in the history of the franchise. So at that regard, it wasn't that terribly difficult to say, well, maybe I'm, you know, I'm old enough. I can retire. But boy, it has been great for the way they've played over the last uh, this mini dynasty that they started. And uh, I just hope they can keep it going. All right. So you have the book, The Astros Legend. And later on in the show, we're going to talk about all of ours, I guess, top five Astros of all time. That's kind of hard to do, but we're going to try to do it tonight, folks. All right. So I want to get your thoughts on the WBC. You know, how it's going. Are you enjoying the games? What do you think about Team USA and making it to the finals? Well, I think it's great that Team USA got there because that that at least uh, will satisfy some of the fans that don't know why they're having it. I think they're missing the point. I think, uh, yes, it's at a terrible time of year. Ideally, the WBC would be played after the World Series. Uh, because it's spring in Australia, so they they could get their teams together, and the rest of us up in the northern hemisphere would still have players that are in shape, and it wouldn't be conflicting with anything at the beginning of the season. Uh, but maybe that's something down the line. I like it. I've watched a, a number of the games, uh, all or in part, and I think that the players they're playing couldn't be more happy to be playing, representing their countries and getting a chance to be in something this big. And I, I think that uh, obviously the Altuve's injury was unfortunate, but baseball's always a danger, no matter what happens. And uh, I think the WBC is still a very, very important uh, part of uh, what baseball's trying to do to spread the game worldwide even more. I mean, there was a team from mainland China this year. Uh, in addition to Taiwan, there was a team from the Czech Republic. There was a team from Great Britain. Uh, you know, baseball has, uh, has not spread in Europe nearly as much as it has on the Far East and in the Caribbean. But it's certainly spread more than that number one sport in this country, uh, football, which hasn't spread. Uh, oh, they'll get some people to watch the Super Bowl uh, other places. But uh, it, it doesn't have a worldwide appeal because they don't play it. And basketball, of course, is a worldwide sport. Even hockey is in the, in the cooler climates. And so baseball is just trying to, to stay there and, and, and look to the future. We already have a lot of players from different countries that are playing in Major League Baseball. So why not? World Baseball Classic, let's keep it going. But somewhere down the line, let's move it to the fall. I couldn't agree with you more, except for potentially moving it to the fall. I love the Baseball Classic as well. I think it would be amazing for them to keep you going the one thing that i that I've, I've read on some social media and things of that nature is that if you were to move it to the fall if you were to move it right after the world series potentially you would have guys that wouldn't want to play in it that just got done playing in a postseason and look for you know that break and i think that that's something that you wouldn't want to see uh jose altuve not play in this tournament because he played until november you know playing in the world series so I, for me personally, that that would be my only takeaway. I like it where it is because I think they're already gearing up to play a regular season. Obviously, injuries are a part of the game. You hope that that's not something that will happen. But, I mean, this injury that happened to Jose Altuve, for example, could have potentially hindered him from starting opening day if it would have happened in, say, December or January. Mm -hmm. I think that Edwin Diaz's injury, it wouldn't matter when it happened. He was going to miss six to eight months and miss a chunk of the season, if not all of it. So 
I just don't see how you could play it in the fall. Other than that, sir, I totally agree with you. Okay. Well, I, I understand that some players would be tired, but that's the ones who are in the, uh, perhaps in the postseason, and not everybody is in the postseason. And uh, so we'll see. And and I, I think the other argument some will say is, oh, but now you're into football te- season. Aha. But don't forget, people in Japan and China and the Dominican, they don't care about football season. It's just here. And so consequently, I don't, I don't buy that as an excuse. But We'll see. I, I like it, and they only do it every three years, so it's not like it uh, bothers people every every spring. So another topic question that's been brought up by a lot of people is should, especially Astro fans lately, should these guys be playing in the World Baseball Classic? Because people like Altuve, the leadoff hitter for the Astros, the the num the man the main man of the Astros he's going to be out. They they said eight to ten weeks. Now there's no timeline. Had surgery on his right thumb. Who knows what the naysayers he, they shouldn't be playing. All the players say, yeah, we should totally be here. Well, I think they might uh, they might consider a limit to the number of players a particular team can lose. The Astros lost what twelve or thirteen players out of their major league and minor league system. That's that's a lot. That's why spring training has been sort of a joke. I mean, you look at those lineups that they've been running out there during the spring. Uh, it's hard to find very many guys that are going to be regular players for the Astros that play every day in the spring. Bregman's played uh, quite a bit lately, but uh, not really total that many games. And Altuve, of course, didn't play at all. And and uh, we've gotten to see a lot of young players play and, and those that have been watching those games are getting a, a little bit of a feel for some of the guys in the future, perhaps. But I think there ought to be some kind of a limit to the number of players uh, that can be lost on a particular team, but they're going to get, they're going to keep playing it in the spring. I think that's really interesting, but I think that's also really tough. If you take a team like the Astros where they're so culturally diverse, I mean, it wasn't like they gave them all to, you know, Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic, they spread them out. I think, I think it'd be so hard to say, okay, Maldi, you can't go play or Altuve, you can't go play, but, but uh, Christian Javier, you can go play. So at what point do you go, all right, maybe the senior citizens go, maybe the young guys stay. It would be really tough. I think that it's awesome that our team is so well represented. I think that's so great. It shows how much the game has grown and how much we're willing to look outside the normal confines of, you know, the college player. And we spend so much research in the international markets where I think the Astros dominate. Well, whatever they do, I, I, I say it should continue. And yeah, they can work out whatever they think they need to work out in the future. Personally, they don't have to change anything as far as I'm concerned. They can play the same number of players and they can play in the spring. And, and uh, because they, they really aren't taxed for too many games. Now, they really don't play that many games, and uh, those are replacement games for most of those players, as opposed to the, the spring training games they would have been playing in anyway. So um, they can work it out. I, I, I'm Basically, what I'm saying is I'm not one of those people that pays any attention to these people. Oh, get rid of it. It's no good. Those are sports writers, and those are fans of particular teams that say that. That's not people that are pulling for the entire game of baseball. That's what I'm pulling for. So at this time of the year, if you spend money to go to spring training, you're not getting to see very many good players because they're they're in the WBC. But me and Tom talked about it. We we didn't know if it was an innings limit or a pitch limit, but it's it, it's like 62 pitches or something, right? 
the pitchers? Uh, you, you mean the WBC? Yeah. yeah. For the first, uh, the first round was. I think they're up now to. I think in the championship they're up to as many as ninety-five. So oh, you'll wow. see the games played this week. Even even the, the semifinal game could have been, but it was so one-sided you didn't see it. Uh, the game against Cuba, but uh, in the championship game you'll see you'll see the managers have a chance to manage just like a regular game for the really for the first time. So you guys brought up limiting Greg you brought it up limiting teams how many people you can get and uh the host of locked on h-town wheelhouse actually had a poll today about that same subject it said should teams limit the amount of 40-man roster players that they allow to play in the wbc and 73 percent said no well, then, then that's good. Then, then that's no change. And I don't really, as I say, I, I'm, I follow the Astros. I, I don't live and die with everything that happens anymore. Uh, so if they've lost 12 or 13 players, so be it. Actually, uh, they're getting a lot, a lot better look at some of the young guys that they ordinarily wouldn't have been seeing with the major league manager and scouts eyeballs. And I think that can be down the road, especially with some of the pitchers down the road, a benefit for this team that they that they didn't have some of their regular guys. I couldn't agree with you more. I think the baseball, the, the WBC has done a wonder for the Houston Astros two, three years down the road for exactly what you just said. These 13 players that went off to represent their countries are getting I think better looks, I think it's a it's a better environment for those guys to play. So they come back to the squad. They're going to come back just coming off of a, of, of a more aggressive, more competitive game. And then you get guys now like Justin Dearden, who I didn't know who he was going into the season. He's tearing the cover off the ball. You're seeing more of Corey Lee, where you might have seen Maldonado. You're going to see more of David Hensley, who now slide potentially slides into a role where you need him to be. So I think this has worked out really well for them to be able to manage an injury like Jose Altuve. And I think just like you said, or, or I, maybe it was Rob where now we're getting guys in front of uh, hitting coaches and managers that weren't in front of them before. It's just going to benefit them in the long run. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I think that, uh, you know, sure. They're going to miss Altuve for the first month or plus, but uh, I, I will say this, I believe a broken thumb on your right hand, if you are a right-handed batter, you can come back quicker. Now, he can't throw, so he might come back and do a little DHing at the beginning, but I think he can come back a little quicker than if any of them, because this is the hand that carries the bat through, your, your bottom hand. And the thumb doesn't even have to be in the grip. Uh, you know, you can pat it and cover it up and all that stuff. So he could theoretically come back a little quicker before this is totally healed, before it's totally comfortable, as long as he's not having to play defense and, and grip a baseball and throw it. He comes back as a D8. So that's that's another option. So personally, I don't have an issue with the guys playing in the WBC. Injuries could happen in spring training and it can happen anytime. And I really think the players that go to the WBC – are benefiting from it. I think they're going to be more game ready than the players that didn't go and they should flourish. But let's talk about uh, Jose Altuve's injury and who's going to take his place. I got my money on David Hensley being a second baseman for the Astros. I, I think it's, it's going to be obviously he and Dubon that are going to play there, but I would say what we're going to see possibly is Hensley getting most of the starts Dubon coming in late 
uh, as a defensive player. Now, Hensley's not a bad defensive player, and he can certainly play second base, but uh, he probably doesn't have as much range as Dubon, who has been an infielder uh, on, on both those positions, shortstop and second base, a little bit more. I am intrigued with Hensley as a hitter, and you, you know, you talked about this kind of slides into who's going to lead off. He has a lot of qualities that would make him a leadoff hitter. If you remember, he, he's got a great knowledge of the strike zone, which means walks. And and he also uh, has shown a pretty good bat, to be honest, in the uh, in the times we've seen him uh, play for the Astros. So I would be surprised if he doesn't wind up getting a little bit more of the work there. Uh, and uh, But Dubon would be your swing guy and your defensive replacement in the outfield as well as uh, in the infield. And um, that's just my guess, but I think both of them are going to, I think, I think uh, manager has already said that it's going to be kind of those two guys playing it and which one he plays the most will be uh, maybe dependent on pitcher matchups. They're both, they're both hitting the same side, but maybe one guy does better about one particular guy. And and I think that'll be probably the decision, but I'll be, um, I'm not going to be all too me by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think they're both going to hit 0-5-0 and make a bunch of errors either. So we'll see. For me, I feel like it's David Hensley, and it shouldn't be anyone else. Uh, right now, there's, there's such a big question mark in the outfield with Jordan, with Michael Brantley, that you're probably going to need Dubon to start games out there. You're probably going to definitely carry an extra outfielder in that regard in case you need late game movement or something like that where I feel like you can just leave Hensley alone. You talked about his bat. I couldn't agree with you more. I think he makes a perfect, he makes more sense as a leadoff hitter than Dubon does, who has holes in his swing, where I feel like Hensley is a little bit more of a polished hitter. And then you you basically plug and play. When Altuve is ready, you pull Hensley right back out. You put Altuve right back in, as opposed to moving the lineup around, bringing Pena forward, then back, or or Tucker or Bregman to slide in that leadoff hole where you can kind of leave your lineup alone and just make that one move. Well, I, I would, if I had to make a choice over one or the other, I, I agree. I like, Hensley. I liked Hensley uh, last year. Not that he should be playing a whole lot more, but he could have played more because I liked him as a hitter. I thought the, I thought he knew the strike zone and he also was able to get some, some, some hits. Uh, and uh, you know, he's been around a little bit in the minor leagues but uh, he looks like a guy that's uh, worked his way to the position where he's he's due to get a little more playing time. Yeah, I mentioned him that he started a couple of uh, World Series games, so I think he's ready to be plugged in in the regular season. So there was a poll. I actually did this. Who's going to lead off for the Astros? You guys already dug into that. And if you look at on base percentage, the highest one for the Astros is Jordan. That's not happening. Altuve, 387. That's not happening. Bregman, 366. Now, you you, you spoke about Hensley having good strike zone. So, the, yeah, Bregman would qualify there. Yeah, Bregman. Yeah, he, had, he qualified there. Yeah, 366 on base percentage, 87 walks. But I don't think they'll do that. To me, I think it's going to be Kyle Tucker, 330 on base percentage, 59 walks base stealing machine this year especially with the larger bases the poll came out like this and i was surprised maybe not really because it was twitter jeremy pena 52 percent. no way there's no way jeremy pena is going to lead off kyle tucker 31 percent. hensley 10 percent. 
and then other seven percent. I don't know who the uh, other was. A lot of those people don't really don't really have really not analyzed Hensley. Uh, they really haven't looked at him. It's like who's he? He's not one of you know. Yeah, but he was around. But they really haven't analyzed him. Uh, I think that uh, I don't think they will do Bregman, even though he a lot of the things that he has going for him certainly would qualify him getting on base. He gets on base a lot because he's got power. So does Altuve. So, but he's been used to hitting three or four or five and 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 three. And I'll tell you what. Major League Baseball managers don't just are not going to switch things around like a college manager or a high school coach. They're just not. Uh, they like guys to be comfortable. Um, he has a quandary when Brentley comes back about who bats number two, because Brentley is very good there. Uh, but Pena was good there when he was had to play it. Well, there's a little secret to that. I don't know if you can remember Derek Bell. He surely did. He played for the Astros. And, and, and he, he always wanted to hit number two. And there was a re reason for it because Bagwell was right behind him. Berkman was right behind him. And he got pitches. And he hit very well in that number two spot, also with great confidence. And that's uh, that's true with anybody. The number two spot is a great place to hit because of who's behind you. Now, you also have to factor in uh, Dusty and most managers preference to have lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, if he can. And so that makes a difference as to who would hit number two based on who's hitting number one. Well, number one is going to almost certainly be a right handed hitter. Um, and that would eliminate. Tucker, your suggestion, Tucker. Um, so you go right-handed, left-handed. Well, there you are. There's your Brantley. Then you go. But then you then you got to then you got to go right-handed with Bregman, and then you go left-handed with Jordan. Once you get, and then you go left-handed with or right-handed possibly with uh, uh, Abreu, and then you go left-handed with Tucker. I mean, it's possible they could go all the way down to number six, alternating them all the way down the line. In that case, of course, Tucker would hit low. Now, six is not a bad spot, except that number seven is after you. And so consequently, you'd better have a good eye because you may not get as many pitches uh, to hit with seven, eight, and nine coming up because we don't know how uh, the, the two outfielders are going to do and the catcher. We know the catcher is not going to hit for average. And uh, so that's all the stuff that goes into the, the manager's mind when he's making out a lineup. And uh, so we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. And if what happens, that can be changed if, in fact, the production does not match the concept. And then you then throw it out the window and you move guys around a little bit. I totally think that Dusty is pretty set in his ways. And I agree that he likes the the, the left, right, left, right. So I, 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 think, I think your poll is probably closer to if it's not Hensley, then who – meaning Jeremy Pena, because he's already stated, he's already came out publicly and said, if Brantley's in my lineup, he's going in the two hole. So the question is, does Pena do you any good batting seventh, potentially sixth or seventh, when you, you're looking for a leadoff guy? He doesn't profile as one, but he would have the protection that Mr. Lucas spoke about. Well, yeah, that that the, he's kind of the, the, the tricky one. Where do you where do you put him, actually? Because... 
for most of the year, he wasn't a great hitter, but he had some big games. You know, he was, what, 250s most of the year and uh, struck out, especially at the beginning of the year. He was a guaranteed strikeout on a slider down and away. He really got better at that as the year went on. And by the time we got the postseason, I don't know why they were. I mean, he made them change the pitching pattern. And when they changed the pitching pattern, he got a lot more pitches to hit and he had a bunch of home runs. So he's going to be interesting to follow to see what the uh, scouting reports are going to say about how to handle him because uh, uh, he has the potential to be a much better hitter for average uh, and uh, and power. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but there's only so many spots in the order, and some guys have to hit at the bottom. And if you got a team where you have to put a good hitter at the bottom, you're just lucky. You're just very well off. <laughs> if you're only two hitters of any question or eight and nine, you know. So you see the stats last year, right, of Pena, how much better he does in the two-hole. And it's not that he feels more comfortable there. It's what Mr. Lucas just said. He's got a good – he's got three good guys behind him, so he's going to get good pitches. And then I – but when you talk about who's going to take over for Altuve in the leadoff spot, I really like what Tom said. Because everybody's comfortable. It's kind of a combination of what you guys said. Everybody's kind of comfortable. Bregman's comfortable being a three or a four, you know, and, and can he hit leadoff? I don't know. But if Hensley leads off, because he, he has plate discipline just like Bregman, then when Altuve comes back, he just slides right in there, and everybody's been in their comfortable position all year. But we do have that question about when Brantley gets back, if he ever does. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, Baker will he'll talk this over with the players. I mean, because he he the veterans are going to get stronger consideration. They always do in baseball. And so if one of the veterans said, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hit number one, uh, unless there's a terrible reason not to, uh, Baker may go that route. In other words, if, if, if Pena, for instance, says, I, okay, hey, what till he's gone? I'll, I'd love to lead off. And it make me what, and if he says the right things, it would make me look at the ball more and take more pitches. And, and if he says stuff like that, he'd be hitting number one. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, until Alfuvi comes back. You know, if he's just going to get up there swinging and swinging, getting two strikes and, swinging at a bad slider down in the way. Well, Altuve did that sometimes. So, uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. The only only drawback with him really right now is the fact that he's not been a very high average hitter yet. And you want somebody who can walk and hit for a little better average. And if if uh, if one or the other has to go, you'd rather have the higher average because at least they drive in some runs. But uh, we'll see. Uh, it's a it's a good problem to have in a way because this team's got a lot of a lot of guys uh, that can play. And and just along the lines of what you said, <clears throat> I totally believe that. <clears throat> excuse me, Dusty will play with it. Dusty will probably for the first two months have somebody different in the leadoff hole every night just to see. He, he very it. well may. He very well may. He, you may see McCormick up there sometime. Uh, yeah, you know, that's okay. somebody we haven't <laughs> talked about yet. Well, he'll he'll walk a little bit. Uh, you may see, uh, uh, you know. Uh, any either of the outfielders up there, whoever's playing it out at the beginning of the year, they're both going to play because Brantley probably isn't going to be ready to start the season. And I'll, yeah. I don't know about Alvarez, but he may not be ready to play defense because he's, you know, how much he's been running. But um, yeah, you may see somebody else up there. There's no question. Actually, right, that so we, wouldn't be terribly surprising. I'm sorry. All right. So we mentioned this at the top of the podcast top five Astros of all time, Mr. Lucas. 
do you have an answer? Well, this gets tough because I, I tend to go toward the greats that lasted the longest. So there's two guys right off the top, the two Hall of Famers, uh, Biggio and Bagwell. Now, someday there'll be people saying Altuve is over Biggio, but they'll both be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but right now I'm going Biggio and Bagwell. Now, after that, I see a lot of guys off of this team that could be there, but I, they they just except for Altuve, they well he's one of the he's one of the top five, so yeah. Altuve's out there. And now you got four and five. Now we can go way back because people who saw the Astros in their early days are effusive in the praise of Cesar Tadeno. Um, and he played enough time here. Um. And maybe I'll 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 defer to those people. Now I, I'm not mentioning any pitchers because pitchers, my we've had Hall of Fame guys up and down the lineup, and and uh, so I'm not going to put a pitcher on here. The fifth player to me, uh, well, right now it's Lance Berkman. Lance, had he played one more year, two more years, he would have been in the Hall of Fame. He is the player that. Jeff Bagwell says is the best hitter he ever played with. And he played with Moises Alou and he's close friends with Moises Alou, but he says Berkman was the best hitter. And as a matter of fact, both Jeff and Lance have career on base percentages of over 400 career over 400. And uh, Joe Morgan used to say, and he, he was good at, at uh, and I don't put him on here only because he played so much of his career in the Reds where he was famous. Uh, but Joe Morgan used to say, if you hit 375, your on-base percentage is 375, that's good. Generally speaking, he used to say that the rule of thumb is it should be at least 50 to 70 points higher than your batting average. And of course, guys like Ted Williams, guys like Barry Bonds, guys like Bagwell and Berkman, they were well over it uh, because they were uh, low 300 hitters and then they hit, uh, or 290 hitters and they, they hit you know, four plus on on base percentage. So that would be my five right now, but that's not including pitchers. Pitchers is a whole different thing. And also you have to put in longevity factors. For instance, one of the greatest pitchers that's ever pitched here, Verlander. He wasn't two Cy Youngs, a no hitter, but he wasn't here long enough to supplant. He's like Randy Johnson. He wasn't here long enough to supplant some of the guys that actually were here a long time. And, uh, you know, uh, so that I, I would be reluctant to put him on my top five pitching staff. Well, for one season, I would, but, you know, yeah. career wise, uh, yeah. career wise. So that that's really tough. And you know what? It's getting tougher as I'm going to find out when I make the revisions to the book I was talking about earlier. I've got to add a lot of stuff that happened <laughs> after 200, 2017. And Verlander's got a no hitter, but we have two four pitcher no hitters during that period, including one in the World Series. We have Jordan's humongous home run in, in the World Series and then the one that he hit in the playoffs. And then, of course, the one that uh, that uh, Pena hit. And he's a great story by himself because here's this guy. Who's he replacing? And he had a tremendous year. And, uh, you know, you just hope that it can keep building because he, he certainly filled the bill. There's some great stories that will be in, included in the update. And I just hope that 2023 uh, will cause me to, have to change some more because uh, <laughs> this team 
compared to what it was and 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 20 years 15 years ago you're putting an all all-time astro team together and you're stretching in some positions you stretched a shortstop uh you know before correa came dicky thong uh, well he had a couple good years but not very many because he got hurt who was the best all-time shortstop you, you were stretching to, to come up with you know craig reynolds and, and so uh, not anymore because you got Correa and you may have Pena pushing him. So uh, no, things have changed so much for the positive in the last uh, five or six years that it, it's incredible. Tom, so, so for me, it's really easy. I gotta have Biggio and Bagwell as well. Gotta have them. No, no question. I gotta have Altuve. No question. I gotta have Bregman because I believe that Bregman is going to retire an Astro. I believe that it, when he's done. His stats will be even just as gaudy as anyone else. So for me, there's there's one spot. Since we're not talking pitchers, I'm sure that'll be another topic for another day. Give me Lance Berkman. I grew up with Lance Berkman. I think he is criminally undervalued among major league circles. The guy hit for power. He hit for average. He played center field. He played first base. I mean, there's there's guys that, that his numbers are better that didn't do what Lance Berkman did. He climbed Tal's Hill, made amazing plays on Tal's Hill. I mean, what what more you need? No, I agree with yours too. I, I you know, as I said, the one I had different was Sedano over Bregman, but I, I don't I don't think there's any question. Uh, Bregman before his career is over, uh, no, I would no. I would put him on perhaps too. But right now I'm thinking, well, that's Sedano. I got somebody from the old days, and, and he's <laughs> yeah. the one that people consider was the most all around. So I also have Biggio and Bagwell, Altuve, number three. And then to be nostalgic, I have Jimmy Wynn on here, Toy Cannon, and Jose Cruz, because it's these guys, it's just you only know these guys as Astros. So that's true. No, those are those are that that's what again, that's what's gotten gotten good about this is the fact that there are more people that could be on the list. You know, yeah. you can and, and analyze. And the other thing too. As a fan, you can analyze the numbers. You can say, okay, Jimmy Wynn's lifetime average is only this. And yeah, he had a home run. He struck out on that. But the fans who saw them play every day for years, or Cruz, same way. Cruz would have had a higher average but less power. The people who saw them play every day for years, those are their favorites. And they're the ones that a lot of people would put on that uh, on that list. No question. All right. So the guy that I saw the list on, uh, he's from uh, Barstool. He had Biggio, Altuve, Bagwell, Bregman, and J.R. Richard. That was his five. But we're about to run out of time. So real quick, give me your prediction, Mexico or Japan? I have to go with Japan. Japan's going to be the toughest team for the U.S. to beat, too, because uh, they got all those pros. And uh, and uh, that are playing in a just maybe a smidgen below uh, major league level. And uh, I'd have and, you know, Mexico is going to be more of an all star team. I'd have to go a little bit with Japan. Plus, the fact they've got that guy that does two things on that team. What's his name? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he might be the difference. Who you got, Tom? Same, same. Otani, too much. Japan. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I got Japan, too. So anyway, before we run out of time, Mr. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure once again. And everyone out there, thank you for tuning in 
to Astros baseball, and we'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.